Welcome to the Doc Lounge Podcast, Crazy Cases Series. In this series, we will explore some of the most unusual and interesting cases medicine has ever seen. We will speak with providers of all specialties from all over the nation. We will hear firsthand accounts from symptoms to treatments to cures. So sit back, relax, and let's explore some crazy cases. Hello, everyone. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Crazy Cases series of our Doc Lounge podcast. It's me, your host, Summer Gilbert, and I am here podcasting live from my house. Uh, We are still going through our COVID-19 social distancing work remotely time. So uh, I am just in the comfort of my home. It's raining here. I have a fire going, so nice and cozy. But I have an interesting story for you. Last night, I was doing some work on my computer and I got an email from a good friend of the Doc Lounge podcast, board certified ophthalmologist, Dr. Daniel Bustos. Dr. Bustos was on our Providers Perspective series and uh, he was gonna be in contact for crazy cases. And he told me about a telemedicine case that he had yesterday that was crazy and worth a listen. So, of course, I asked him, how quickly can you be on the podcast? I would love to hear about it. And today is the day. One day later, we are going to chat about um, this case he has. Um, So hang on really quickly after this quick disclaimer uh, for my conversation with Dr. Daniel Bustos. And just a quick reminder, every episode of Crazy Cases is HIPAA compliant. All names have been changed and all personal patient information will remain private. So that being said, let's get started. Well, first off, thank you, Dr. Bustos, for joining me today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. No problem. Um, So how are you handling this uh, social distancing and being at home? Has Has it been difficult for you? Oh... It's kind of just like everybody else. I'm going a little stir crazy, you know. Our family's trying to be uh, compliant with all the orders and stay at home as much as possible. Only go out when we need to. And I've got four kids uh, who are all very lively and dramatic, so it's, it's a little bit uh, difficult at times. But I'm not. I'm not complaining. We're we're all healthy. Um, you know, we haven't had any COVID tragedy in my family or extended family, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, grateful for that. Yeah, my family as well. Everyone's staying healthy. And my husband's a firefighter paramedic, so he's out on the front line going to people's homes and stuff. So um, because he does that, I haven't seen my parents because I don't know if he's going to catch something and bring it home. And so, you know, me and him and I are just really like kind of bunkering up and staying here um, and, uh, you know, staying away from my parents just because I, I don't know. You know, his yeah, well, chances of getting it. Yeah, yeah I and mean, just being older, they're susceptible. So it's a, it's a smart idea. Yeah. So we're using a lot of FaceTime and, and video chat. So that's been the hardest. But, yeah, uh, that, that's, that's smart, though. It's only the smart thing to do. Yeah. Well, the cool thing about this episode is that we're covering two things, crazy cases and uh, this COVID-19 scare. So um, for you listeners, I got an email from Dr. Bustos last night, and uh, he's been on the podcast before, um, and uh, I told him to reach out when he had, you know, some cases he wanted to talk about, and you just had one yesterday. Is that correct? I did. Um, kind of unexpected and pretty bizarre, really. 
All right, well, uh, let's let's jump right into it. Usually I start with um, how did the patient present themselves to you and what were the symptoms? Okay, so let me preface this summer by saying my office is closed and it's been closed for a month and I haven't done surgeries for a month just because my elective, my surgeries are semi-elective, non-urgent. So uh, I've been doing a lot of telemedicine. And actually I'm an expert on a uh, website uh, where you can go and ask a question of any kind of expert, whether it's law, medicine, plumbing, or anything. I've been on this site for about 10 years answering people's questions that range anywhere from, you know, what antibiotics should I take for my conjunctivitis to why did I go blind? Mm-hmm. Usually more towards the, the former end. Um, yeah. And, you know, since I've been busy in my practice the last few years, I haven't had much time to do this. But seeing as how I'm not so busy anymore, I'm back doing this and... Um, just yesterday, actually, I got a question from a lady uh, who's mid 40s, and she said she popped a blood vessel in her eye this morning in the shower, and uh, she noticed that the white of her eye on the outside had gone all red and yellow, and she couldn't see uh, part of the blue part of her eye, and then uh, that was in one eye, and then she said the other eye she couldn't see out of at all. So I said, okay, well, it's unusual. Yeah. Uh, usually if you yeah. see blood in one eye, that's, that's, that's the eye that you can't see out of for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, she said she's healthy, didn't have any problems um, till this morning. She got out of the shower and uh, noticed the, the blood on the right eye and then noticed her vision was starting to get foggy in her left eye. And this is about 4.35 in the morning. She's a professional and works a lot. Uh, and she didn't think much of the fog in her left eye she was more concerned with the blood in her right eye, which, you know, ostensibly it, it looks worse than it ever actually is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she noticed that between about five and five thirty, her vision started to get foggier and foggier in her left eye, the other eye, not the bleeding eye. Uh, and by five thirty or six, her vision was totally black. Now, uh, in ophthalmology, we our vision, obviously, as you might imagine, is our vital sign. You know, when you go to your doctor, first thing they check are your vital signs, your blood pressure, your heart rate, because those tell your doctor what you know is wrong with you or what, what, what they need to be concerned about. So we check vision, and we're very concerned about vision, uh, and so we measure it very carefully. So when people tell me, I'm blind, I can't see, most of the time they mean they don't see as well as they used to or they don't see as well as the other eye, something's changed, but they're never actually really completely 100% blind. So we kind of rate things as, you know, if they can't see the big E up on the chart, then we say, okay, can you count my fingers at six feet away? If they can, we um, call them count fingers vision. If they can't, we bring our fingers closer. Can you see them? Okay, I can count fingers at two feet. Okay, if they can't see that, we'll wave our hand in front of their face. Can you see that? Okay, we call that hand motion. That's, that's worse. And then if they can't see the hand in front of their face, but they can tell there's light in front of them, we call that LP or light projection. And then if they can't even see the light at all, then it's completely black. It's, we call it no light perception. That to an ophthalmologist is completely and totally blind. And she's an intelligent lady. So I asked her, I said, you know, are you getting any light in that eye at all? She's like, no. I'm like, so you're not seeing floating things, blobs, flashes, nothing. She's like, I have complete black in that eye. So wow. I'll, I'll say right there, it's pretty unusual for a healthy mid-40s woman to get out of the shower and in a space of an hour and a half completely lose all her vision when nothing was wrong before. So right away, that you know, sounds off a bunch of alarms in my head uh, and really kind of makes me put on my clinician hat because for the most part, answering these questions online doesn't take a lot of, you know, 
clinical attention. I can answer those these, these kind of questions in my sleep. But this one was different. Uh, I'd never actually encountered somebody on this website who was asking a question of such acuity and such uh, you know severity so quickly. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I was glad she was actually willing to talk with me and answer questions and stuff. Although she was kind of depressed about what was going on, but didn't really want to talk much. So I said, "Well, have you um, you know have you seen anybody?" Have we seen a doctor yet? She said, no, this was just a couple of hours ago. Um, and she said, with all the COVID stuff going on, no one's open here. Doctor's offices, the only thing that's open is the, is the ER. So she hasn't found any help yet. Uh, so I asked her, you know, I, I start thinking, could this be um, a vitreous hemorrhage? Could this be a renal attachment? Uh, so I asked her about those kinds of things, and she denied flashing lights and floating things. She denied... Uh, history of diabetes, which you might expect someone with a vitreous hemorrhage to have, d- denied trauma, denied surgery. So I go through kind of these usual questions. Yeah, I ask her, you know, I'm still thinking, could this be bleeding in the back of her eye? So do you take any blood thinners, uh, you know, ibuprofen, aspirin, coumadin, warfarin, all that good stuff? No, negative, all that. I asked her, does she have any medical problems? Uh, and she said, well, I have autoimmune disease. I'm, I'm a, have Hashimoto's thyroiditis, underactive thyroid. She had three, four, three-fourths of her thyroid gland removed when she was younger because uh, of a benign lump, but she said, otherwise, I'm healthy, I'm fit, I'm active, haven't been sick in five years. Like, okay, well, that's, this is not helping me much. Yeah. Uh, usually, I'm hoping to find a little nugget to take me along somewhere, although the autoimmune disease was uh, you know, at least something to kind of a path to go down, at least. Uh, she said, in the shower, I felt like a scratch within my eye. I thought it was just an eyelash, and when I got out, I think I rubbed my eye, but it wasn't hard at all, and then my vision started going away in my left eye. So I thought, well, okay, well, if she rubbed her eye and her vision started going away, then maybe it's a vitreous hemorrhage or a hemorrhage in the back of the eye with the gel and, and, and the retina is. That can obscure the vision pretty good, although usually not to NLP, no light perception degree. That's unusual, uh, to say the least, but I'm going to go with it. So I said, okay, uh, you rubbed your eye and it started to go immediately. She said, no, it was 15, 20 minutes after I rubbed my eye, I started noticing things get foggy. And it wasn't like a step down kind of, you know, chunk of vision going out of time. She said it was just a general fogginess, like someone just turned up the dial on a smoke screen or something. Uh, so, okay, well, I'm thinking maybe this is less likely a hemorrhage in the back of the eye, because usually you kind of notice those things pretty suddenly. You might notice a blob of blood or some floating things in your vision, none of that. So I asked her if her eyes painful. Nope. Is she light sensitive? Nope. Um, she says she's black. So I said, let's let's really get down to brass tacks here. If, if you cover your your right eye, your other eye completely, your world is completely black, no light whatsoever. She's like totally black. And she's a a, a very uh, with it historian. Uh, she answered questions very uh, uh, appropriately and. Uh, and, and uh, completely. So I, I, I took her answers pretty seriously. So then I'm thinking, okay, you know, does she have any papilledema or is it, uh, swelling or edema of the optic nerve? Uh, and, you know, in a mid 40s woman, um, sometimes we see something called pseudotumor cerebri, where there's increased pressure in the head, uh, like you might find in someone who has a mass in the head, but there's no mass, why I call it pseudotumor. Now, you can, granted, usually those people don't lose much visual acuity at all. They just maybe lose some peripheral vision or some visual field, but 
you know, maybe there's something else going on, like a mass in their head, which is pressing on the optic nerve. So I asked her if she has any headaches or double vision or ringing or whooshing noises in her ears, because those are all signs of this pseudotumor cerebri, also called idiopathic intracranial hypertension. Nope. I go, okay, I'm getting nothing here. Any nausea or vomiting? Well, she's like, well, yeah, nausea, yes, not vomiting. Uh, I'm like, okay, well, you know, it, it, for some reason, is, is, she, is she having a stroke? You know, she has autoimmune disorder. Maybe she has a blood co coagulopathy. You know, maybe she's, uh, you know, having a stroke. So I said, are you having any confusion or difficulty walking, talking, swallowing, word finding? Are you weak or numb in any limb or your face? And she says, well, walking is difficult and typing is slow, but no numbness. Okay, well, is, is the walking or the topping difficult, talking difficult just because, or walking and typing, excuse me, difficult because your vision is gone or because you think there's more to it? She's like, no, I think I just can't see. Okay. So she sent me a couple of pictures of her eye and I saw the hemorrhage on the one eye, the, the good eye, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. uh, but I didn't see any difference in the size of her pupils, which I can't examine somebody over telemedicine. Yeah. As an ophthalmologist, for the most part, that really doesn't. It's hard for us to do because we examine people in a microscope in real time. But she took a picture of her eyes. I didn't see any size or pupils. Uh, a difference in the size of pupils may indicate that there is a, a, um, a signal problem with one eye, the optic nerve not sensing enough light, and so it opens the pupil up like a, a shutter on a camera. I didn't see any size of uh, the pupil, difference in the size of pupils. So I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm less, I'm going down the optic nerve uh, uh, pathway a little bit less. I'm uh, still not getting anything from her. So I said, okay, well, let's go down the, the healthy um, middle-aged woman taking birth control. Birth control pills can cause a, a hypercoagulable state, and sometimes that, on a rare occasion, it can cause an optic neuropathy or a, you know, ischemic damage to the optic nerve. So do you take any birth control pills? No, nope, I don't take any birth control pills. I'm like, okay. Uh, she's like, I'm not active. It doesn't hurt. But she said, I was sick in January. I had the flu, and I was off. For work a couple of weeks. Okay. Um, she says, I've had no prior episodes of this. I'm not sick now, but well, I've, I have a sore throat for the past eight days. Okay. Well, that's something. Uh, sometimes a viral illness can trigger um, an autoimmune uh, episode like optic neuritis that you might see in somebody who has multiple sclerosis. So, okay, okay let's, let's go down the multiple sclerosis pathway. But these are all common things. As physicians, we are taught to uh, think of common things first because even common things that have an uncommon presentation are more common than rare things that have a typical presentation. So I'm thinking, let's talk about, let's, let's work up MS and see if it's optic neuritis because she fits the profile. She's young, healthy, middle-aged female. Mm -hmm. So I ask her, you know, do you have any uh, strange patches of numbness anywhere on your body in the past year? And people who have optic neuritis or who are prone to MS, they might say, oh, you know, last year I right down there on the side of my calf, there was this you know, quarter size area of numbness for two weeks and it just went away. And that's kind of something you hear in someone who has optic neuritis or may have a predilection to MS. She said, nope. I said, nowhere? She's like, well, my left arm and my hand, maybe too much Candy Crush playing. I said, okay, well. Um, and I said, you know, let's, let's, let's talk about this. Was it just, you know, a patch on your arm? Uh, or was it, you know, your whole arm or your hand or your wrist and your hand and your forearm thinking maybe this is a carpal tunnel issue if she really is playing too much on her, on her mouse or whatever, mm -hmm. on, her, on her phone. Um, 
And she said, well, you know, I, I, I don't want to take your time. Uh, it doesn't sound like we're going anywhere. I really just want to get to the bottom of this and find out what's going on. You know, I, I, I don't want to waste your time. I don't think we're going anywhere. I'll just, I'll leave you be. And I said, uh, so she was about to get off the, off the line on the computer. And I said, you know, uh, there's, as far as the, the website I'm on, there's probably one other ophthalmologist on there who, who could really get to the bottom of this. He's a very bright guy, but he wasn't on. Uh, and the other people who try and answer eye questions really aren't ophthalmologists and really don't have the training to be able to understand this. And everyone else is closed around us. I said, please don't go. You know, you've lost vision. It's very serious. You're, you're really not going to find anybody else who has the training to care of this right now. And he's been taking care of right now. So she's like, I understand, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just tired. I'm, I'm on call all the time. I said, what do you mean on call? She's like, I'm a pediatric surgeon. I'm like, oh, that changes things. I can talk to her more to, you know, in a medical way, have her understand things. And yeah. she says, she's just I'm tired. I'm on call. I just, I, I just, I want to bottom this, but we're not getting anywhere. Let's, let's end this. I said, please don't. Let's just a couple more questions. I think we're narrowing in on this. So I asked her, I said, so, okay, so you're, you're, you're a physician, you know, is the numbness you have in your arm or your hand, is it dermatomal, meaning it's a follow a, a nerve pathway, a known nerve pathway? She said, yes, it was. So it does sound like it was just a kind of an overuse uh, numbness in her arm and her hand. So that was kind of a dead end there. Okay, kind of back to square one here. I'm not thinking up and honest so much, although it's still really at the top of the differential. It has to be because of, of how it happened. Uh, it was quick, it was painless. Um, and her demographic, you know, middle 40s, young, healthy female. So it has to be. So, okay. So I'm thinking optic neuritis, then maybe this is an optic neuropathy. So sometimes people who are older and have vasculopathic risk factors like high blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease, they can have an ischemic event to the optic nerve where the optic nerve goes without blood for a time and kind of has an infarction like a uh, like a heart attack where part of the heart muscle dies, but this is the optic nerve. She doesn't really fit the profile because she's young and healthy and doesn't have any of those vasculopathic risk factors. But, you know, if she has autoimmune disease, maybe she has that blood coagulopathy. So let's go into that. You know, I, I reaffirmed that she was healthy. She doesn't smoke. Uh, I really didn't think it was going to be this typical older kind of, you know, sicker person optic neuropathy. And I said, okay. Let's 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 talk about one other thing here uh, before I give you what I think my diagnosis would be. Uh, and this is this entity that I'm going to ask questions about is something that every physician really is taught in medical school. You fear and you fear very appropriately. Always make sure this is not happening. Mm -hmm. uh, this particular entity I'm going to talk talk to you about is something that really I wouldn't think of much in her age group. This is usually something that happens to people who are 60 and, and older, uh, almost almost universally. But I said, okay, let's ask it anyway, because, you know, I, I've got to cross it off the list. So I said, do you have any of the following? Do you have a cramping sensation in your jaw when you chew your food or you talk? And that's called jaw claudication. Do you have tenderness of your scalp? Um, any weight loss, unintentional weight loss? How about night sweats, fevers, and chills? Those kind of constitutional symptoms are common. Um, in what's called giant cell arteritis or temporal arteritis. She says, thank you. Yes, a lot of unintentional weight loss. Uh, I'm, you know, somewhat tall, and I recently dropped from 139 pounds to 129 pounds. 
uh, in the last few weeks and unintentional. And uh, so I just stopped to let her type and she said, I'm, I wake up sweating so bad. Uh, I've dealt with fevers as well for no reason. And I'm starting to get a big knot in the pit of my stomach now. Oh no. So I said, okay, those are all, those, those are all symptoms that could be, they're constitutional symptoms that could be symptoms of TB or some other kind of infectious issue, maybe cancer. So let's, let's narrow this down. Giant cell arthritis, uh, two of the most typical and um, sensitive symptoms you can ask about are jaw claudication, jaw cramping, or scalp tenderness. I said, what about those? She's like, yeah, I've had jaw cramping, no scalp stuff, but my jaw's been cramping. Uh, and I <laughs> really just about, you know, almost threw up because this is really serious. Um, so from that moment, you know, I'm thinking, okay, this lady is wherever she's half a world away. I don't know where she is. Um, and I'm chatting with her online on some expert help website and she has lost vision completely in one eye. And she, you know, as far as I'm concerned, she has giant cell arthritis. I haven't been able to examine her, but even people who I've examined in my office, who I know have giant cell arthritis, I may not see anything on their exam. It's maybe completely normal looking. Mm-hmm. So as far as I'm concerned, this is a historical diagnosis, and I think pretty accurate. Um, yes, she needs to have the blood work done, but the labs that you can draw with this, uh, ESR, uh, erythrocyte sedimentation rate, or a CRP, which is C-reactive protein, those labs can actually be normal in people who have this, even though classically we're taught that you're going to see it elevated as a marker of inflammation. They can still be normal. So uh, I thought this way, this lady needs to get help now. Uh, as a, some background in my residency, uh, we uh, actually saw a woman in clinic who we diagnosed with giant cell arteritis, uh, and it can be a very fast-moving disease. Like this person I was just talking to, this lady, um, when she came into the clinic in, in my residency, she had lost vision kind of like that, just over a period of an hour and a half, two hours that morning. And she came in and saw us in the afternoon. We diagnosed her with giant cell arteritis, and the treatment is high-dose intravenous steroids, methylprednisolone, and, and ASAP, like an hour ago, because you can have events quickly with this, as you know, as you've already learned with the, these two people who lost vision. We told this lady in residency, I said, okay, go to the ER right now. They're expecting you. They're going to start IV steroids. Don't go anywhere else. Go right now. So this, this woman, a few years ago, she, what does she do? She goes home and feeds her dogs <laughs> before she goes back to the hospital. Before she ever made it back to the hospital, she lost vision in the other eye completely gone, both NLPIs. So I, I, I very much fear of this disease. Uh, in addition to the fact that because it's a vasculitis, you can have heart attacks, you can have strokes, but I'm concerned about this lady's vision. So back to the present uh, patient, I said, look, I know you're tired. You're on call a lot. Uh, you've got a lot of worries, but please, you have to listen to this. You have to take me seriously. I'm very concerned you have this giant cell arthritis and you're at a significant risk for losing the vision of the other eye at any moment. Uh, and she's like, and she said, you know, just, uh, I, I can't, I can't wrap my, my, my mind around this. What do you mean? I said, I said, this is serious enough that I want you to stop everything you're doing right now and go to your hospital where you work and get a gram of IV solumedrol right now. And she said, for real? And I said, I told her, I said, look, as an ophthalmologist, we don't get a lot of emergencies, but an emergency that we see, this is right at the top of the list. Uh, mm-hmm. She says, I don't want to go to the hospital. Tell me 150% that I need to go and I'll go. 
because I'm just exhausted and I, I can't deal with this. I said, you have absolutely have no choice. You 1,000% need to go right now. Don't stop and beat your dogs. Don't put on makeup. Don't call anyone unless you're going to call on the way go right now. And thankfully, she listened. Um, she, um, we kind of ended the chat there. She gave me her phone number so we can kind of keep in touch with each other and make sure everything's happening right. And then she left. Um, she texted me later that night on my personal phone, and uh, she was concerned on the way up to the hospital that she's just getting it turned away because what she has is not you know, quote serious enough. It's not. It's not COVID. You know, everyone's so focused on this COVID stuff, and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. But you know, you have to still treat people who have life and limb threatening issues, regardless of whether there's COVID going on or not. She says, "I said, you know." If they have any question at all, you give them my personal number. I'm going to talk to the ER physician. There's no way they could not treat this. Giant saw her right. Every physician knows. Every ER physician knows. So she texted me a couple hours later. She says, well, you'll never guess. I said, what? She said, they sent me away after waiting three hours and told me to FaceTime an optometrist. Oh, my gosh. And my jaw just dropped. And I was... I was freaking out because here's this lady. I fully expect her to lose vision in the other eye fully yeah. and completely at any moment. I'm freaking out. Not only can you not the, you know, FaceTime, but still an optometrist. You'll see an optometrist. They're going to say, yeah, you have glasses and you have eyes. And they're, they're not equipped to deal with this. I said, you have to, you have to be seen. You have to be seen give me the number of the doctor there. I'll call them. She's like, look, I'm just going to try calling my personal doctor. Maybe I can get in there. So she texted me a little while later. She said, okay, I've got an appointment with my personal doctor on Monday. They couldn't get me any sooner. I said, what? You know, this happens now. This happens right now. Give me his number. I'm going to talk to him. But, you know, she's trying to save me from having to do stuff for her because it's this long since eclipsed the, the boundaries of a, you know, telehealth uh, question online. Um, so she calls the, her doctor back up and she says, okay, they're going to get me in an hour and I've explained to her everything you've told me and what we think this is and what treatment I think needs to happen. So I'll get back to you. Thankfully, her doctor was on top of it, listened uh, and got her started on some stero- high-dose steroids. And so I feel better about it. They're going to do a, a biopsy, which you need to do to, to confirm whether this is, you know, uh, giant cell arthritis or not. Uh, coincidentally, you know, you could have negative biopsies too and still have this. So, uh, I feel a lot better that we actually got her to a point where I think she's her vision and the other eye is going to be safe. You, know, you can't work as a surgeon if you can't see anything. So uh, it was a pretty profound experience. I, I wasn't expecting uh, to have that kind of experience in a kind of a global, you know, all comers type of uh, telemedicine uh, venue, uh, to say the least. Mm-hmm. It, it makes sense that she was a physician because if that was happening to me and my eye was, I was losing vision, I would be like, oh my God, I need to go to the ER, you know, but because she's a physician, she's probably like, well, you know, I'm not sure. Yeah. She had some, she had some reticence about it because she doesn't want to use ER resources un, you know, unnecessarily. We, we yeah. what, a lot of us don't yeah. do that, which is why we're bad patients. But, you know, thankfully, she had the good sense to, to get online, and I, and I have no doubt that God put me and her in the right position at the right place at the right time to hook up, because I think otherwise she would be completely blind. Um, but, yeah, she actually, 
she told me she went to the ER where she worked and she's like, I'm surprised. I would have thought I had, would have had more pull place where I worked. Um, but she got the care she needed, which is, which is awesome. And I, and I talked to her about this. She, she, she was absolutely fine sharing her story, you know, taking away patient identification information and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was just glad that, that, you know, that telemedicine could be, you know, highlighted this way. And also that, you know, this could be a teaching uh, case for any physician who really isn't that familiar with giant cell arthritis. Uh, she, she was ecstatic. She was ecstatic. She'd never used an online health you know, forum before, let alone a health forum. And um, she, I told her we're going to be on the podcast and she just wants to listen and she's actually welcome to, uh, to even be on the podcast if you wanted her to, but she's, she's really excited, very, very thankful. And I think, at least we'll get her uh, other eye saved. Most people who have this happen to one eye don't get a lot of useful vision back in that eye, if any. So saving oh, no. her other eye was, was was critical. Yeah. So I don't know that she's going to get much vision back in that eye. Yeah. Wow, that's heavy. Yeah, I spent I spent two hours with her online. I usually spend twenty minutes with people. Uh, but then we spent the rest of the day going back and forth, trying to make sure we got her where she needed to be. You know, and so it's it's pretty unusual. Yeah. I've done that. I've never contacted a pay, a customer outside of this online venue, uh, ever to follow up with anything. Uh, they, in fact, the online venue, the website frowns upon it. They don't want us having the customer's, you know, personal information and things like that. But we circumvented that because we needed to. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, I'm surprised at the. Um, emergency department sent her home or sent her on her way. I wonder if she didn't tell them what you said. Oh no, no, no! She told them. I mean, she oh, was she, a she 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 knew the diagnosis. She said, "Look, this ophthalmologist is sure I have this." No, they just they just said, you know, COVID, get out, go see your optometrist. And that's her fear was that you know they're gonna think, oh, this is an eye issue, um, I have blurry vision. Look, we're at a COVID emergency. Go see our commenters because we don't know what, do, what we're doing anyway with the eyes, which is what they're probably thinking anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, which was what I feared, what she feared, which was very much the wrong thing to do. Uh, and not only is this, you know, life limb kind of issue, um, her losing vision in one eye and potentially in the other, you know, this you can have strokes and heart attacks with this. So it was very much uh, an emergency if there ever was one, and it was not handled well, to say the least. Wow. I don't. I don't. I don't know who she saw. I don't know if she saw a triage nurse or a doctor. I don't know what happened. She just said they just sent me home and told me to Facetime my optometrist. Yeah. So I'm glad she. I'm glad she. She followed up with me and we'll at least would at least talk to me still, so we make sure she got to the right place. Because I. I was just when she told me that they wouldn't see her, I about lost it. <laughs> I was about ready to find out where she lived, fly up there. Oh my gosh, I couldn't believe it because I was knew. I knew she was going to have. We knew she was going to have problems if we didn't. Yeah. So how do you say it? Giant cell arteritis? Uh-huh. Arteritis. Arteritis. Uh, it's also called temporal arteritis. It's it's called that because the, the artery that usually is inflamed is in the, the temporal area of the head. So it's temporal arteritis too. Same, same disease. Is this rare? It's not rare, but it's pretty uncommon. It's uncommon enough that, uh, you know, it can slip your mind if it's not under differential for a lot of things. Uh, so every, every physician learned about this in medical school, whether it impacts their daily work or not. Uh, you know, if you're a gastroenterologist, you're probably not seeing this. Um, I, I see it because of the, obviously the ocular implications, 
but uh, it's not rare. It's it's just uncommon enough that it's easy to forget to put in your differential diagnosis. Mm -hmm. I was just going to ask, have you heard anything else? But because this case is so new, um, you're going to be finding out information as you know, these in these following days. Um, so can't wait to hear more. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm sure she will, um, you know, follow up and let me know what's going on because we're still we're still texting and making sure she's she's okay. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm right. We're really grateful she's still talking to me and, and we're working uh, to get her taken care of. But it's and, and the follow up is great. I hardly ever have this, you know, on a lot of people. People I see in my office sometimes I don't have the follow up with things like this, let alone someone across the across the globe who I talk to on a website. Uh, so I, I think it, it it's a it's a great illustration of you know the importance of telemedicine and, and in any form. It isn't necessarily me talking to my patients where I live in Tennessee, you know, over FaceTime about their eyes and their problems they currently have, but it is telemedicine nonetheless. And I've been doing on this website for you know, close to 10 years. And uh, I, I know it's helped people. And it, it's, it's a place where people are going to come because it's available. It is, you know, established and, and it works for people. So they're going to come and ask their questions. And, uh, so it's a it's a good way to contribute and to take care of people in a time like this where people are scared and, and really shouldn't be leaving their house for much of anything. Uh, places, or doctors' offices are closed. ERs are not going to want to touch people. So it's really important in that it's a it's a great illustration of how telemedicine really uh, can play a big role, an important role in medicine. Still, as we're in this kind of shut down those so to speak yeah absolutely do you mind sharing the link to um what site this is sure it's just answer.com okay and so you can you know you can go on there and ask you know how you you know fix this plumbing issue or uh what you know how, how do we get to this one video game well all sorts of experts on there uh, lawyers doctors and you know, accountants or whatever um and I, and I get questions on there that are not necessarily just eye stuff. You know, I've answered some neurology questions, some ear questions, throat questions, things like that, uh, because there aren't a lot of there aren't a lot of physicians on there at one time all the time. Sometimes, mm -hmm. sometimes there's a question that no one's answering, and I'll, I'll answer it because it's no one's answering. It's not my specialty, so to speak, but I can still do it. Um, but it's a, it's a good website, and there are other websites as well that do the same thing. Uh, this is just one of them. Um, but it's, it was a, it was a very important uh, medium at the right time. Yeah. Well, it was definitely a blessing that you were there, you know, online at that time, able to answer her. Um, cause I mean, who knows what would have happened if it, you know, she waited she could have lost vision in both of her eyes. How scary. Yeah. It, it would, it would devastate her life. It would, it would devastate her life. And uh, I think that I think you're absolutely right. We were uh, put in the right place at the right time uh, to to get her the help she needed, and um, thankfully she actually did seek help. So many of my patients who I see in the clinic who have devastating things like this, they wait. Well, I just thought the vision would come back and wait and see, and so I see them two or three weeks later, and then there's really nothing we can do. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm glad she had the foresight to just go, hey, let's. <laughs> Now I need some help now. So uh, yeah, we got, so she, she re started treatment, I'd say probably 12 hours after it 
began, which is pretty good as far as this goes. Most people aren't getting treatment that quickly. So I, I'm, I have as good a hope for her as anybody yeah. with this. Well, thank you so much for sharing that case. No, you're welcome. It's uh, really enlightening for, for me, I'm sure, for some of the people who are going to hear this. Before we say our goodbyes, tell us about the new YouTube channel you just started. I want to hear more about it. Yeah, so I, you know, I thought, um, you know, during this time where where we can't get out, can't I can't see patients in the clinic, uh, I could at least, you know, be a resource for people who are having eye issues during COVID. But more so, I've thought about this for a while. I wanted to start a YouTube channel so we can put educational videos up, so patients can, you know, if they kind of go to see somebody about cataract surgery, they can understand what the cataract is, you know, the basic anatomy, why what's going on is happening, what they can expect, but based on basic anatomy videos about the eye, instructional videos about basic eye diseases like cataracts and macular degeneration and glaucoma and things like that. But I also uh, want it to be a resource for people who just want to hear some frank uh, answers and discussion from people. I, as a physician, I pride myself on sitting in front of my patients and just listening, not doing anything else, but listening, and then being able to gauge where they're coming from. You know, I, I feel like I feel like that's one of my talents to be able to read people and, and just kind of see where they're coming from, find their level, bore down on a personal level and find out their concerns and deal with them. And so I, hopefully this uh, channel becomes a, uh, an avenue where patients, uh, people can hear the videos, ask questions in the comment section. I can respond. Uh, people can get frank answers to questions that many times people are too busy to answer or they've answered and they didn't really follow up and find out whether the patient really got it or not, or didn't resolve their concerns that they had behind those, you know, curling eyebrows and this, you know, twisted up face they have on their, uh, on their, uh, on their uh, persona. So yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful it will be a, a resource for that. I only have one video up right now. And it's just kind of me and my family talking about alternative uh, greetings in a, in a COVID world. It's just kind of a funny little video, uh, but we're going to start having those uh, up this week and, uh, Hopefully it's a, it's a resource for, it can be a resource for anybody, for a physician, for family members or friends or, or whatever. Uh, the the uh, YouTube channel is talkeyetoeye.doc. So uh, we'll be seeing more videos, uh, getting those up, and uh, hopefully we'll be a resource for people. That's awesome. And especially right now, we're in the decade of everyone's got social media, everyone's got access to the internet, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. Um, and so having physicians spend their time and create positive, real, um, factual content, I think is incredibly important. So thank you so much for, for doing that. No, yeah, it's really hard to combat the, the relentless stream of misinformation our patients get. So that's why I hope that we spread the word about the channel, that, that people can really get the unvarnished truth about their eyes and what they can expect. and. Uh, in, in, in a personal way in which people can, you know, understand and take from it that someone actually cares and wants to give them the truth and education and, and make sure that they're, they're understanding what's happening to their eyes and to their vision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll link the YouTube channel in the description of the podcast. Um, and then do you mind if I put your email if another one of our listeners or another physician wanted to reach out with any questions? Oh, yeah, that's fine. Okay. So I'll, I'll link that as well. Um, well, thank you so much for uh, being willing to share the case and such a fresh case 
um, too. I'm going to have to circle back with you and um, see how everything pans out. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure I'll have more info uh, in a little while. All right. Well, um, well, I'll let you go and uh, start your day and be with your family. But thank you so much for you know giving me your time today. Thank you, Summer. I appreciate it. And I look forward to hearing the podcast. Sounds good. Stay healthy and we'll be in touch. Sounds good. Thanks, Summer. Take care. Thank you to all our listeners. If you want to be a guest on the Doc Lounge podcast, you can email thedoclounge at pacificcompanies.com or check out our website at pacificcompanies.com. And from all of us at Pacific Companies, we wish you guys health, positivity, love, safety, and try to make the best of this time being social distancing with your family. And remember, you're not in this alone. We're all going through this together.